warm greetings in the most uh, precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is a great honor to be here this evening with you all and I bring greetings from my country India as well. At the outset I would like to thank the oversight and the leadership and the elders for giving this opportunity to speak from God's word and maybe sharing a few things about the ministry that is being carried out in the country of India. <clears throat> I am serving in the extreme north of India in a place called Mathura, uh, which is near the capital of India, Delhi. Uh, from Delhi it is 150 kilometers, not miles. I think you are good enough to convert into miles. <laughs> and it is a place where <clears throat> the radical Hindu fundamentalist uh, are predominantly very strong. It is a place where we have a lot of Americans and Europeans. It is a place where many of the Americans have American citizens uh, have embraced Hinduism, whose far forefathers were Methodist and Baptist reverence. And uh, sometimes I feel very sad when I say this. And I have some very deep interactions with them back in my place. And uh, you know there's a Hare Rama, Hare Krishna movement in America. You're aware of it. Uh, many of them are there in New York, in the Queens area. And uh, I happen to meet some of them. And uh, <clears throat> these people are there in my place. And uh, they are become Hindu priests in the temple. And they are far better than Hindu priests, in fact, in, in, doing, the, in doing the worship service inside the temple. And uh, <clears throat> those are the group which I cater to. And uh, we have very strong, concentrated work among drug addicts, drug rehab center. We work among drug addicts and uh, in the deep, far interior villages of India. There's a small assembly testimony, and the believers are primarily first-generation believers in, in our place who have come from Hindu background. And for a Hindu to embrace Christianity or Christ is not an easy process. With the 33, 33.3 million gods and goddesses that India possesses, and these Hindus, they consider Christianity to be a low-caste religion back in India. So that is a great prejudice and bias that we have to face when we talk and share gospel. So. There are 14 families who have come from these backgrounds, from various castes of Hinduism, and uh, they have known Christ, and they are in fellowship and worshiping the Lord. And our, our vision is to see that by 2020, two or three more assemblies coming up. And we have very strong work among uh, children's, children's club in two or three places, where we have uh, children community coming to learn Bible lessons and our songs, and through them we are getting into their parents as well. So please pray for us. I'm in this country for the first time, primarily to speak in Indian Brethren Conferences. One has already been done in Dallas, that is Southwest Brethren Conference, and another is forthcoming in August first week, that is FIBA, Federation of Indian Brethren Assemblies meeting uh, in Houston. And I'm here for a weekend, and thanks so much for this wonderful opportunity granted to me. And um, your love and warmth, it really, it really encourages me. And uh, I am given to understand about this assembly testimony that it is, a, it is a witnessing church. It is a preaching church. 
it is a going out church it is a sending church i really thank god for such a vision that this assembly can composes and uh, i'm reminded of uh, the statement i would like to say that a worshiping church is a witnessing church witnessing church is a suffering church suffering church is a growing church a worshiping church has to be a witnessing church and if a church witnesses there will be suffering and persecution and where there is suffering and persecution there will be growth and that's what the great historian tertullian has said the blood of the martyrs has become the seed of the church it is how true it is and if worshiping church is not a witnessing church it is a traditional church and i am a missions man i am primarily a missions man and standing behind this pulpit makes me so many times uncomfortable it is most of the time that gives me joy it is sitting under a tree in india and sharing the gospel with a sinner right and uh, that is my passion i believe in one thing even if you die you should have satisfaction without satisfaction you should never die because a christian should die with some kind of accomplishment that is what he is called for right do you agree with me yeah so i'm basically a missions man and i am that's why i'm elaborating on it and when i see an a church or an assembly a, focusing on mission you know when the, the target becomes the sinner should become a saint and i am so happy for the vision of the church let me tell you church is the only gathering on the face of this earth whose doors are open for a sinner who walks from the street to step in sit in the pew listen to the gospel hear about christ jesus and become a saint from a sinner rest all are organizations who have entry for the members only but church is a place where the door is open for a sinner come inside sit there listen the gospel and be converted from a sinner to a saint this evening let's turn to second peter chapter 1 from verse 1 to 10 second peter chapter 1 from verse 1 to 10 Second Peter chapter from one from verse one to ten. Now, <clears throat> the title which I have given to this passage is spiritual excellence. The title which I have given to this passage is spiritual excellence. Everywhere people are talking today of excellence. Six to seven days back, uh, President Obama was speaking about business excellence in the media. how business can excel in america many of the political theorists today are talking about uh, political excellence social scientists they're talking about social excellence the bible speaks about spiritual excellence how i can excel spiritually and uh, peter the great apostle of the lord jesus christ he's he's speaking about excellence in these 10 verses The epistle of 1 Peter the focus and the theme is about suffering how a christian should approach suffering and what should be his attitude towards suffering what are the behavioral traits that he has to bring out during suffering and second peter the theme of this epistle is knowing the lord jesus christ to attack wrong heresies and doctrines 
This is a time of the church age when wrong doctrines, as the dear brother rightly prayed now, wrong doctrines are indoctrinated far enough and wide enough. Gnosticism is uh, spreading like wildfire. I hope you understand what is Gnosticism. Gnosticism is the philosophy or theory where the propagators preach that Jesus Christ is not God. On the background of this setup, but Peter is describing this epistle and he is uh, bringing out the doctrine so very well in the chapters of 2 Peter to attack indoctrination, wrong heresies, wrong doctrines and he's speaking about spiritual excellence that is brought forth by a Christian's character and is describing about that character from verse 5 onwards. Now we are going to see in this spiritual excellence three major points. And we are going to follow through this passage as, uh, with, uh, uh, as, as, as it unfolds by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Peter was concerned about the false teachers. That those were infiltrating into the churches in Asia Minor. They caused trouble and they caused problem in the moral lifestyles in, in the church. Now Peter warned about these, these false teachers in in, 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 uh, in, in chapter 1 from verse 3 to 5. Now, they deny Christ and they twist the scriptures. Wrong doctrine preachers, they deny Christ and they twist the scriptures. And one of the examples which I mentioned is Gnosticism. And Peter wants to develop a Christian character inside with conviction, inside with passion, inside with vision and mission to attack these wrong doctrines and wrong preachers of God's word. And here in these passages, Peter is describing three manifold steps we are going to see. Let's turn to our Bible, 2 Peter chapter 1 from verse 1 onwards now. Simon Peter, a bond servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I like the way Peter starts the epistle. I like the way he approaches the whole subject. Now look at the words that he uses about himself. Simon Peter, a bond servant and an apostle. He is balancing dignity and humility. He is balancing dignity and humility. He doesn't say apostle and bond servant. But in turn he says, I am a bond servant and an apostle of Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful way of describing the true identity that the writer is exposing here. He's balancing dignity and humility to those who have obtained like precious faith. Now the qualifying word like, did you notice that? He doesn't say those who have obtained precious faith, no. He says those who have obtained like precious faith. Now why the word like is written there? It is to emphasize upon the point that, the, that the, the believers in Asia Minor, they have received the same faith with the Jews have received, with the Gentiles have received, as according with that we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, by faith, by faith. Now Peter is saying, you have obtained like precious faith. And this precious faith, why he had to write precious faith? Because Peter knew the value of that faith, having disowned Jesus Christ in the Gospels. 
He says, you have obtained this precious faith and uh, he is uh, designating equal in rank. He's designating this faith equal in rank, signifying the same faith with the Jews received and Gentiles received, Jews and Gentile combined and amalgamated in sequence in rank and position into that one body and that is the spiritual body, the church of God. And what a precious faith we have received. This is that faith. Let me tell you, the church of God is the only place that neutralizes human beings. There is no middle ground in gospel. Let me tell you. There is no neutral ground in gospel. Either it is this way or that way. There is no neutral ground in the gospel, meaning either you are saved or you are not saved. Either you possess the Holy Spirit or you don't possess the Holy Spirit. Either you are going to heaven or you are going to hell. Either you are going to child of God or you are not a child of God. Gospel does not have a neutral ground. Amen. And that precious faith he's talking about that we have not achieved look at the word that he's using there we have obtained it means to say that the faith even to believe in the lord jesus christ during our conversion process that faith is not mine even that faith was granted to me here he says you have obtained that precious faith ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 when you were dead in trespasses and sins the holy spirit that has quickened our soul our spirit in that dead situation by the power of the holy spirit when a sinner looks onto that cross believing on the finished work of christ a sinner becomes a saint and that is the power of the gospel you know what is the beauty of the gospel is you know, gospel takes the sinner back. A gospel takes the sinner back, makes him look back, convinces and convicts of his sin, makes him guilty before the presence of God. Gospel takes the sinner back. Number two, gospel takes, brings the sinner into the present. Gospel takes the sinner back in the past makes him see his dreadful condition gospel brings a sinner into the present and makes him see that beautiful finished work of cross by the lord jesus christ where he died for him on the cross and there he receives forgiveness there he receives the seal of the holy spirit there the guilt is taken away in that present condition and third gospel allows this saint the converted saint to see beyond death into eternity praise god that is a part of the gospel this is the part of the gospel that has allowed to go back look into the past it brings to the pleasure makes helps to see the cross and it helps us to see beyond the future and that is what every sunday that we do here this emblem helps us to see back it brings into the present do in remembrance of me and it takes to the future praise the lord and that is a precious faith that we have we cannot compromise on it this faith is not to be compromised it cannot be bargained. It cannot be considered as cheap, as cheap. Let me tell you, if you cheapen God, you cheapen your life. If you cheapen God, you cheapen your vision. If you cheapen God, you cheapen your faith. If you cheapen God, you cheapen your hope. 
and the day we start seeing God as God, that day our vision will change about myself, about ourselves, about the church of God, about the word of God, about the people of God, about the servants of God. See God as God, it will help us to see sin as sin. When we see God as God, that was what was happening in Exodus chapter 3 when God was speaking to Moses. Moses, Moses, in Hebrew it is Hinai, I am here. What happened? God, I want you to see me as God. Alright, who are you? Nobody had the guts to ask God's name. Moses had the guts to ask, who are you God? And he said, what is your name? Abraham didn't ask, Jacob didn't ask, Isaac didn't ask. Elijah didn't ask. Moses asked. I want to know your name. Intimacy. Precious faith. This is not a faith to be bargained. It is not a faith to be dealt in a very cheap way. And what a faith God has given to us. And he says to those who obtain like preciousness with, with us. Oh some profound words are written here. With us by the righteousness of a God and Savior Jesus Christ. He goes to Romans chapter 3 verse 26. The imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ that was imputed into the sinner. Where the sins have been taken away by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord imputed his righteousness. Romans chapter 3 verse 26. That imputed righteousness that has made us holy in the presence of God. And God through his prism of holiness. Today he does not see us sinners. In that prism of holiness. God looks to us as holy sons and holy daughters. Because of imputed righteousness. So precious faith. By the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Number two. In the first point that is. Spiritual excellence through partnership. The first point is spiritual excellence through partnership. In that partnership we have precious faith. Number two. <clears throat> verse two. Grace and peace be multiplied. Peter was a good mathematician. He's using a lot of ma mathematical terminologies. Coming to verse five he used addition. You know if you throw a bucket of fish and ask Peter. Peter how many fishes? Well I, I think 123 or so. Or the salmon will be 53. Or kingfisher maybe 75. All right. Mm-hmm. Ask in the middle of the night, Peter, how do we do fishing? He will say, he will close his eyes, he will maybe half asleep, take a sheet of paper and a pen, five steps, one, two, three, four, five, go back. That was the, that was the dexterity of Peter in the skill, in the skill of fishing. And he say, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Wow, it is not peace and grace, it is grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? It is mentioned there. How? In the knowledge of God. Now this knowledge in Greek is epignosis. This knowledge here in Greek is epignosis. The knowledge that comes by having a relational experience and working with God. The knowledge that comes by knowing him and not knowing about him. Women know about God and still end up not knowing God. We may know about Christ and still end up not knowing Christ. We may know, we can know about Bible and still, still end up not knowing the Bible. Even atheists know about God. Still they remain elusive of God. Gospel demands a heart response and not an intellectual response. You know what is the problem today? There are a lot of intellectual Christians today. 
they are not heart-filled Christians because gospel has only made an intellectual response. It has not brought out a heart response. Gospel wants the heart response of a sinner. You know what technology has done of this century? Technology has enlarged our brain. It has shrinked our hearts. Do you agree with me? Technology has enlarged our brains, but it has shrinked our hearts. And that is why man does not want man today. Man wants animals to live with him today. It has shrinked the heart of man. It has enlarged his brain and intellect. So sorry to say that. Signs of end time. And here... Peter is saying, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. That knowledge will, which will help me to understand the likeness, the likeness and the image of Christ. The Christ likeness being transferred into me. And through that knowledge, grace and peace be multiplied. And that is what we require in our present Christian, Christian life. That grace and peace be multiplied, multiplied in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now what is this, what is this Peter is trying to explain here? Now we have to interpret the scripture in the context in which he has written. Now <clears throat> what he is written here is life and godliness means this divine power that is talking in verse 3. This divine power has given us all things to sustain this eternal life. Even when we are alive on this world. And then he says pertaining to life and godliness. That life there is eternal life. Not physical life only. So first point in spiritual excellence is spiritual excellence through partnership. And in that first we have precious faith. Number two we have divine power. Which is this divine power that is available to us? Go back to Ephesians 1, verse 17, 18 and 19. There Paul is describing about the power. It is so magnificently portrayed and graphically represented there. Paul is saying that same power which God used to raise Christ Jesus from the dead. That power is available to a Christian. Amen. Praise the Lord. That is not an ordinary power. That is a divine power that operates in you and me. If that power operates in me, if that power is available to me, that's why he says in Philippians chapter 4, I can do all things in Christ. Who? What does he do? Who? Strengthens me in that divine power. That is not a statement of pride. That is a statement that comes out from the divine power that is available to a Christian through that precious faith. And he says, this divine power is available to us today. Are we exercising that divine power? That is a question. This power, my dear, very respected believers, this is the power that operates in us. This is not the spirit of fear. This is not the spirit of cowardice. It is the power that God used to raise Christ from the dead. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, he, this power, in his prayer there, this power God has given to the believers. It is not an ordinary power, it is written. His divine power has given to us all things pertain to life and godliness. How? 
How? It is again written there. Through the, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So first he says, precious faith in verse 1. Precious faith by the righteousness of God and Savior Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace through the knowledge of God. Divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life at Godliness through the knowledge of him. Now he is always letting us know the blessing and its source. Peter is linking the blessing and the source. Grace and peace through the knowledge of God. And then divine power through the knowledge of God. Precious faith through the righteousness of God and Savior. Did you see that connection? He is saying the blessing and then he says the source. Don't be ignorant of the source he is saying. Don't be ignorant of the blessing. And then he says in verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Oh. By which have been given to us exceedingly. Did you see that? First he says about multiplication. Then he says about exceeding things. And what are those? Precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of divine nature. Wow. Did you see how Peter is building up the climax? Did you see how Peter is building up the point that he wants to make? He is building up through some support systems. Which are given by God starting from precious faith. Then he goes to divine power. Then he goes on to divine promises. And then he says in verse 4. Through these you may be partakers of what? Of what? Divine nature. I like that. When we are partners in divine nature. That does not mean that we become dummy gods. No. We don't become exactly like Christ. No. It means that in this partnership where he has made us partakers and partners in divine nature, Peter is building up through some wonderful support systems. Number one, precious faith. Number two, divine power. Number three, divine promises. And connect these two. It all starts by that precious faith. Operating through divine power in our life. Sustained by divine promises. Producing divine nature in us. Amen. Praise the Lord. What a faith this is where we are partakers and partners of divine nature. Wherein I share, wherein I share in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. We are predestined to be confirmed in the image and likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me repeat you, we don't become dummy gods in this partnership. We become in, and get confirmed in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ where Christ likeness is produced in my life. And that is the doctrine that he develops. Number one, spiritual excellence through partnership. Number two, now we were seeing the doctrine which God has done. Now, <clears throat> number two, spiritual excellence by practice from verse 5 to 9. Spiritual excellence through practice. Right. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Could you please turn to Philippians chapter 2, <clears throat> to 2 verse 12. The last part of chapter 2 verse 12. 
Therefore, my beloved, as you have always ob obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Now, this is the verse I would like to read after the comma, the last part. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what is this working out? Now, this is not working out unto salvation. It is not working out to get saved. This working out is because we have got saved. There is a, there is a work that we have to do it. Spiritual life does not grow automatically. Spiritual growth does not happen spontaneously. Spiritual life does not happen automatically. Spiritual growth does not happen spontaneously. There needs to be a working out. And according to Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, there's a great work that is being done and the work has already been started. The question is, are we allowing and are we giving or paying heed to God's work and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life? Now, spiritual excellence, that's the subject we are dealing with. And in spiritual excellence, we th saw the first point that is spiritual excellence through partnership. In that we have been given precious faith. We have been given divine power, divine power. We have been given the divine precious promises that produces in us divine nature so that we escape the corruption of the world. Now, that's fine that the God has done all these things. So what should I do? It is written from verse 5 to verse 9. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Okay, from multiplication to exceeding now, Peter comes to addition. All right. Mm -hmm. He comes to addition now. What we have to add in our in our in our in our uh, to our faith now look at the word that that joining word add to your faith what add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge to knowledge self-control to self-control perseverance to perseverance godliness to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love now what is virtue now Faith, we have obtained that precious faith. Now Peter is saying, I can't go beyond this. Right? Why Peter? That has been given to you. That faith has been given to you. Now you have to do something. I can come this far, thus far. Okay. So what should I do now? You have to do some additions. To this faith, he says, add what? To your faith virtue. It is the quality of life which makes someone stand out excellent in his moral energy. That is the definition of virtue. It is a quality of life which makes someone stand out excellent in moral energy. The power that performs deeds of excellence. And that is what the virtue is Peter is talking about here. Now how does he start? Add to your faith. Go back to Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 where Paul talks about the fruit of the spirit. There Paul starts with love. Love, joy, peace, long sufferings, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. The nine fruit of the spirit. He starts with love. And look at the sequence here. Peter ends in love. Did you see that? Peter ends in love. He starts with virtue. And then he says to virtue knowledge. And the knowledge here is 
understanding in the context of second peter the theme and the background and the setting that second peter is written in that knowledge it is the epignosis knowledge that comes to me by walking with christ it is not intellectual knowledge it is not head knowledge it is not informative knowledge it is the knowledge that comes to me about christ of him to by knowing him by walking with him by loving him by obeying him and to be surrendered and to be committed to him that knowledge is talking about the knowledge of intimacy the knowledge where i i have the confidence in my christ come what may circumstances situation that knowledge epignosis knowledge what peter is talking about Add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge what? Self-control. What is self-control? It is a virtue guided by knowledge. It disciplines desire and makes it the servant, not the master. You got the point. That's the discipline that makes me a servant and not a master. And to self-control what? Perseverance. And what is perseverance? Endurance to do what is right, never giving it to temptation. Endurance is, is to do what is right, never giving yourself to temptation. And to endurance, godliness, to live reverentially and obediently. Godliness is an inward trait. Godliness is a trait and a character which a believer has to develop from inside to be like God, to be conformed like God, to, to, have the, to have the mind of God, to have the behavior and likeness of God where you are so confident in your conviction, in your communication, in your vision and your mission. Where nobody can shake you, nobody can... Pull you apart in that conviction. Knowledge. And the last one. To brotherly kindness. What? Love. I like how he builds the pyramid. I like how he builds the pyramid. He starts from faith. Going on to virtue. From virtue to knowledge. To knowledge. Self-control to self-control. Perseverance. From perseverance to godliness. And to godliness brotherly kindness. It is the affection and sacrifice that we need to show to our brethren. It is the affection and kindness that we need to show to our brethren, considering them, them more uh, and more uh, better than ourselves. That brotherly kindness. And in that brotherly kindness, finally he says, from brotherly kindness to love. Look at the pyramid. That means if I have to have, to have love, poured out Romans 5 verse 5 God's love has been poured out into us it has to start from faith faith to virtue virtue to knowledge knowledge to self-control from self-control to perseverance perseverance to godliness to godliness to uh, brotherly kindness and from brotherly kindness coming out that 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 agape love that flows out that pours out that touches people that changes people that makes a servant and not the master that love that is not selfish that love that is generous that love that is kind that love that forgives that love that is humble and meek that love that seeks god and follows god 
And when that love is poured out, you will become a powerful Christian that will walk on the face of the earth and making impact and changing lives of sinners. Spiritual excellence through partnership, number one. Number two, spiritual excellence through practice. This is what we have to do. Are we adding to our faith these traits? Or we are standing still in our Christian life? I said spiritual growth does not happen spontaneously. It requires exercise. It requires hard work. It requires diligent seeking of God. Let me ask you a question. Are we fans of Christ or are we followers of Christ? Michael Jackson was a fan of Christ. He was not a follower of Christ. Merlin Munrock, who committed suicide, she was a fan of Christ. She was not a follower of Christ. There are many people who are a fan of Christ today, handful only, who are followers of Christ. Let this question rule on the, over the fringes of our mind. And let this question take you back home with an answer. Am I a fan of Christ or am I a follower of Christ? And last and quickly, spiritual Spiritual excellence, verse 10, perfected in eternity. Spiritual excellence perfected in eternity. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Wow, that's good. For if you do these things, which things which is mentioned from verse 5 to 9, these things you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly. Peter does not have any other mathematical word now. He says abundantly. Into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. Third point, spiritual excellence perfected in eternity. There will be a grand entrance and welcome to those who have practiced this. Those who have obtained that precious faith, that divine power, divine promises. Those who were partakers of that divine nature, exercising those virtues, ending up with love. When that spiritual excellence will be perfected in eternity by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, here we read, there will be an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wow. Spiritual excellence through partnership, spiritual excellence through exercise, spiritual excellence perfected in eternity. Can we, can we strive and work hard, patiently, lovingly, achieving this excellence in our life? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Thy word is so powerful. Thy word works in our hearts and mind. Thank you for Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Redeemer and Savior. The one who died on the cross to make us holy sons and daughters. That's finished work of Christ on the cross. O Lord, because of which we have been purchased by that precious blood. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. And how, how, how blessed that we are. And you have blessed us with all heavenly blessings, seated on heavenly places. This evening, thank you for thy word that we are partakers of that divine nature because of that great work on the cross. We have, been, we have been called by glory and virtue. It is not an ordinary calling. It is an effectual calling unto salvation where you called us by glory and virtue. What was that in us that you called us when we were yet enemies? Christ loved us. 
Lord, help us to understand the value of this precious faith. Use it by divine power, supported by divine promises, producing that divine nature and the Christ-likeness in our life. And to exercise by adding to this faith all those things culminating in finally in that love, that agape love. And when that happens, a great entrance is being awaited in heaven. Thank you for the great hope. With that, Lord, you have filled our hearts with thy word. Help us to introspect and analyze. Are we fans of Christ or are we followers of Christ? Thank you for this assembly testimony here, the work done by them, the mission's work, the work outside to propagate the gospel, the souls that have been added. And we pray for all those needs, Lord. The hard work and the seed that is sown. Oh, Father, we pray that it may be culminated into souls being added to the assembly testimony in the coming days. We can only do this much. It is thy work to, to, to bring those souls. We pray for those who are sick. Pray for those who are backslidden. We pray for all the ministries that are being carried out by this assembly to reach out the unreached. Yes, Lord. Amongst children, in the prison, in the street corners, in the various localities and neighborhood of this assembly. Where the gospel is preached. Gospel is preached powerfully. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are doing your work. Thank you for hearing our prayer. In the precious name of Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we do ask. Amen.